Good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world and wherever you are in the world indeed. Shanluk, where are you? And welcome back hey, to Welcome back to Social Bubbles. I'm in a lounge at the Tumacan Airport in Panama. So this is my first airport episode of the Social Council Show. And yeah, I can't speak louder than this because it's, it's quite busy in the lounge. So we're going to see if this works or not. Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. The airport in Panama, you say. And last week we had a quick, I guess a quick update, a, I think a 10-minute episode. You are at the social media marketing world, a huge building. And once you're back, we'll do a deep dive on that. But coming back to today, let's, let's start off with travel. So you've traveled finally after... I think a year, two years now, after two years and two years, two years, what has changed for you aside from, you know, wearing mask and this is the first time you're traveling to Panama as well. So what's different in this experience compared to previous experiences? So in 2019, when I came to Panama, it was different because there was the inaugural flight and we actually were in Panama. Today, I'm only at the airport, so that's a big difference. It's actually a layover, and I think that's the weirdest part. Because How long is the layover? 11 hours. 11 hours, wow. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of things that you have to prepare for <laughs> flying now. I have to say that the, the mask is the biggest thing. I mean, there are several areas where you don't have to wear a mask. If you're eating, you don't have to wear a mask. There are a lot of ways. And in California, in certain areas, like we said in the convention center, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. But when it comes to travel, there's still a lot of restriction. So I think that's the hardest part. But traveling isn't as awkward or as bad as I thought it would be. It's still different. And I think the biggest difference is if you're used to flying with certain airways, the food, you start respecting the food quality of certain areas as you're air catering. And you understand why they win awards because the food at certain areas flights, yeah, it's, it's different from the rest of the world. So shout out to them. And the one thing I do like about flying with, with is they're always, almost always on time. You never miss kind of connecting flights and those kind of things. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. No, that's great to hear. I, I've heard the similar stuff about the food of Suriname Airways. So at least they got that going for it. And, you know, you got to uh, own your strengths. And Safira's joining us from uh, Europe. And where are you going, Jean-Luc? Uh, oh, no. I'm going It's home. coming home, actually. It's coming from San Diego and currently it's on a layover in Panama, 11 hours. I know how how that feels. My, my previous layover, the longest one I had was like 12 hours. And yeah, what do you do in those 11 hours? And how far in those 11 hour, hours are you now? So this is interesting. Miami airport is one of the hardest layovers there is. 
because it's so cold in the airport. The Panama airport is actually quite good. It's quite warm. I'm wearing a sweater now, but if you go to the food court, you actually don't need it. There's a pretty good food court. You have like several options. The lunch where I'm in right now, you do have to pay, but usually they have showers as well. So you can take a shower, which is pretty awesome. But we're not sure if we're allowed to leave the airport. So we're not sure if you're actually allowed to go to a hotel because it's a layover. So we don't go past customs again. So I think that's the, that's the most difficult part. In Miami, even if you have a layover, I think you take out your suitcase, unless it's a local flight or two. Yeah, no, in Miami, usually you get your suitcase. So if you fly from San Diego to Miami, you get your suitcase and then you have to, you come in at like five in the morning and then you fly to Suriname at five. And now you come in at nine o'clock in the morning and you fly to Suriname at 9 PM. So it's kind of similar in length. Miami is a lot colder. And, but in Miami, you're actually allowed to like go outside. You can actually go anywhere you want to go. And I haven't figured out if you can do it here as well. Yeah, but that's because you've already been through custom and it's basically, you're already within the States, right? So it, it it's, uh, if you're going to San Diego, it's a local flight. So it's a local you don't flight. have that, uh, yeah. it's, it's not an international layover, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah you're. Final flight is international, but the, the layover itself isn't international. Great. So, and how long are you now within that layover? Halfway through? Yeah, I think, I think we're halfway through. This, this one isn't as bad as I thought it would be. I, I think I slept, I, I haven't slept this much on the plane as I slept from LAX to Panama. I think this is the longest I was, I was sleeping before the plane took off. I only woke up for the food. And yeah, and then I was still sleeping when playing handed. So yeah, so so the question from Raul is: the sleeping arrangements within the airport are as good. Like in Miami, you have an airport hotel where you can book a day room. I think around ten o'clock, you can from ten till four p.m. You can take a day room. That option here, you really have to go off the airport. This is the biggest difference. And Miami airport, the only issue that I have with Miami date, it's, it's cold. It's really, 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 really cold. Not that there isn't anything to do. You can go to a bar, you can do anything, but it's just very cold. And especially if you arrive at like five o'clock in the morning, Miami is, is, is hard, but there are always good things to do and good airport food. They have a Carl's Jr. here, which was pretty interesting. They What's the best airport? There, there are a couple of things that are very important. Like in a plane, they say like never drink certain beverages in a plane because your mouth gets really dry. So that's something shouldn't, but specifically for airports, I don't have like a preference for food. If it's good, it's good. If it isn't, it is it. Yeah. It's just something to get by, by the time uh, I have that same mentality. So you, you talked about the experience and it, it wasn't as say awkward or bad as you'd expect it to be. So what during this experience was the most awkward thing you faced? I'm not sure I want to talk about that. <laughs> now you're making me more curious. <laughs> so for Panama, you don't need any, if you're vaccinated, you don't need any proof of Panama. You don't need testing. For sure, you do need testing. 
Yeah? Oh, so coming to back. back. To come back into Suriname, you need to have a positive test that you've actually, that you're negative against COVID. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? In Panama, you don't need it. Okay. But when you, when you leave LAX, when you leave LAX, you actually need to have the proof of the, the test results already for Suriname. You can't say like, I'm going to fly to Panama with all the test results and then take it at the Panama airport, which would make the most sense. Yeah. That makes But because sense. it's one flight, because it's one flight, it's not two separate flights. Before you board an LAX, you already need to have the test results for Panama to go. Okay. Yeah. That, that makes the logistics and, and it's within a window, right? Yeah. I think. Was it 72 hours, 48 hours? Yeah. And the testing location within LAX closes at 9 p.m. How do you see the travel within the next few months adopting all these travel policies? Do you see it going more lenient? And what are other factors that people should take into consideration when planning trips? Well, I really hope this is over soon because for me, it feels at this point, it's almost like a money-making business with the COVID test because you have a 911 COVID test that you pay $250 just oh, to get wow. and get your results within 30 minutes. That, that $250 just for the, the test? Just, just for a PCR test. To have Oof. it within half an hour. Oof. Yeah, I, I remember, I think uh, last year it was around 125, but yeah, it, it wasn't that fast. You still had to wait the next day or something. Yeah, this but... is like a really quick, super urgent, 30 minutes, they send it to your email, they send it to your phone number. You get the results within half an hour to an hour. Yeah, it, it, it almost seems like abuse at the moment. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like you don't really have an option. And the, the, the like the usual arrangements that the travel agency or the, the, the airline has, they won't give it to you if you don't have the proper documentation. And having that negative test result is part of the proper documentation. It's, it's yeah. good. Really, I, I feel like we should scratch this as soon as possible. Definitely, I agree because it, it just adds unnecessary costs. It, it basically almost doubles your ticket, your, your travel, it, travel it, arrangement. It, it does. Like, it's, it's like money you could say, like, let's upgrade my ticket, then money go, would go into a COVID test. That's what you can compare it <laughs> here. All right. It's right. a cost for, a, for a business class ticket, but it does feel like yeah. What you're, what you're throwing at. And, he, and it, it gets even more complicated if you have, you know, uh, longer flights, more, more layovers, more transits to go through. Yeah. I, I don't even want to think about all those but logistics. But interestingly, some countries have lifted the need for a test, test result if you, if you're affecting. So that's an interesting dynamic as well. So it's interesting to know why Suriname still has the double standard of both vaccination and test results instead of just one or the other. Mm -hmm. Like either you're fully vaccinated or you need to show a negative test result. Those are kind of the options that you would usually have. So it's very interesting to see 
And we don't know what the reason is that they are implementing it. On the other side, I feel like the most cases we have, COVID cases we have in Suriname, were actually from people traveling to Suriname. So I don't understand that. So it's kind of this, yeah, you, you can't go right if you're the government in this one. <laughs> on one side, you want to protect you want to protect your community, and on the other side, you want to make it easier to travel. Yeah, we will see where this goes as, as, as time moves on. But let's move on to, I guess the next thing I want to touch on a bit is how was the closing? How, how, how did you spend your last day during the conference? Did you like work till the end or did you have some free time to do some fun <laughs> stuff? I always work to the end. I go there to work. So that's the biggest difference. And the organization was very helpful. I had an event of private lunch I wanted to go to on the second day. I also wanted to do the sort of a little bit of the podcast. So they gave me some spare time, like in the middle of the conference. And I really appreciate appreciated that. And then of course, the end of the conference, it, it, the, the conference was a little bit easier than two years ago. Also because the size, the amount of people that came in was twice as much in 2020. And the, the full participants wasn't necessarily only half. There was still a group of over a dozen people watching the conference through live streaming. But it, it felt like it wasn't as difficult, this conference, as two years ago. So if I'm understanding correctly, there were less people physically physically there. There were, there were like, yeah. It was still, and, 2000, it was still 2,000 people, but it, it wasn't the hassle it was two years ago. And yeah, also yeah. The, 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 venue was, the venue space was more efficient. So it was the layout of the, of the conference was very efficient and a lot smarter. There were a couple of things that people wanted that didn't make sense this year, but people were accustomed to having it. So those things were like feedback points, but overall it was a very good conference. I feel like just, just having a physical conference for over 2000 people was, it was amazing. Was one of the best experiences in the past two years, definitely. Oh, no, that, that sounds great. And I saw some photos of you going through social media. You, you, in the update, you said, yeah, you're focused on work. So not many posts, but I saw photos from Giano. I think I saw Efita from your team was also there. And Nicole, I think if, if I recall correctly. So how was it? Photos as well. So indeed, uh, I actually only share other people's pictures and experiences. I haven't posted anything yet, like from my personal camera roll. I didn't take as many pictures either, but it was an awesome experience. LA was also an awesome experience, but the conference itself was, I think one of, for me, even though I was a little under the weather the first two days, it was for me one of the most fun conferences uh, that I've been to. So from a personal perspective, what I wanted to reach, what I wanted to attain. I made a very, very, very big commitment during the conference, which we'll surely talk about in two, a couple of, couple of months. And we might also see some changes to social conference. Interesting. Now you really got me inter interested. So I, I, I'm, I'm guessing uh, guest systems, speaking of systems. 
how much of an overhaul you don't have to go into details yet but, <laughs> but it, if you have to scale it from a from a scale to one to five how much of an overhaul uh, are you projecting we have with social convos what do you mean by overall you said some changes like how, how big of changes uh, how much change are we talking about it's probably a tree. Don't don't expect like the world to explode, but there will be some changes. Yeah, okay. I'm putting some I'm putting some nuggets in this episode. The that people will be able to find and they'll figure out eventually which is the direction that we're heading toward. When they really listen, like oh, that's what he was talking about. <laughs> okay, interesting. Well, from my end, yeah, in the back end, I I mentioned before like. Suddenly my hard drive crashed this weekend. So I, I was about to, luckily I finished editing and publishing last week's episode. So that went live and in the afternoon, the, the evening, everything just froze. So like operating system down. This is a great question. How easy was it to recover everything for you? So th this wasn't my first rodeo. So luckily I run my PC on an SSD. I, I built it myself. So I'm kind of used to it. But when I lost data, like maybe 10 years ago was the first time I actually lost the hard drive, didn't have backups, etc. So the way I built this PC, I have my operating system, like my SSD uh, for fast performance. Aside from that, I have two separate hard drives, which I store files in one for more like software, video games, like that is my performance hard drive and one for, you know, photos, more like archiving stuff and projects. And those are also backed up on two external drives. So I have a backup of those the separately. Backup of a backup of a backup. Okay. Okay. And then I have two external SSDs that I use with my laptop for mobile projects. So when this happened, it was like, all right, I have an external SSD. It's the same size. So I just disassembled that, plug that in and, uh, put that in the new system after, you know, confirming that the old one had failed, etc. uh, plug that in, had to reinstall everything. So that, that was the most annoying part. Data wise, I had most of the stuff backed up. Only things in downloads are you know, that I quickly used were gone, but I had to log in everything, install all the software again. But that took me like, what, two, three hours to get basically everything up and running again after confirming the dead drive. Always have a backup. It sounds like a really, really good system. Yeah. And yeah, I would explode the hard drive of your hard drive. Yes. So after learning this lesson, this is the sooner you learn it. Uh, always have two of everything. So basically that's also how I do security. Now I own like physical login keys, uh, like these to uh, log in. So first I had one, then I bought another one as a backup of that in case you lose it. So for, for social media stuff, some accounts you require a physical key to log in, especially since we're more active in the, you know, web free space security is more often. I have my ledger. So the next thing I need to do is get a backup ledger actually, because I already had a backup, but I gifted that to someone because they, they, they needed, needed one. And that, that's kind of, uh, how I, how I built 
this can you uh, security and data set system. Can you explain how that physical security stick works and how a ledger works? Okay, sure. So these are, oh, what's the, these are UV, UV keys. And as you know, most sites now, aside from your regular username, password, login, they have two-factor authentication. So either you have an email or SMS, or if you use a Google Authenticator or Authy app, you verify through that as a second layer of uh, protection. And even though SMS is uh, a viable option, it has been known that, you know, phone numbers get hopped or hacked and people get access to that security code through your SMS. The other way is Google Authenticator, but then you're reliant on Google or Authy, but that's another app on a, on a different digital device. And some other, some platforms have started to offer, you know, physical keys. And what, what you need to do with this physical key after you log in with your username and password, you have to plug this in into your USB and physically touch it to grant access. So that, that's how you log it. That's the sequence of finally logging in. So it's an extra layer of protection, basically. Yeah. And I haven't used it as much yet, but for Twitter, for example, I, I use this. Uh, Twitter is supported. Uh, one of the crypto exchanges, I think Kraken, I use this as well. And, but I haven't seen it as adopted yet. And there's also, also versions, like this is a smaller one I got, uh, still in a package that has an NFC that you could use with your phone, basically tap it to your NFC back of your phone. And that's how you plug in because you, you can't really plug in a USB into your phone if, if you're busy with mobile devices and coming to the ledger part. So what a ledger is, is, uh, for the people new or not familiar, if you listen to a lot of our previous episodes, we talk about Web3 stuff, we've uh, covered cryptocurrency a bit, we've talked about NFTs, and there's been a lot of scams going on, especially Twitter. I think every few weeks you see popular hacks happening because people keep their assets on a so-called hot wallet. So it's either MetaMask or directly online. And what a ledger does is a physical device that you have to authenticate physically through just like the key with a, with your code and physically click the buttons to confirm or sign transactions. So even if your wallet or account might be compromised, if they don't have this physically or access to this physically, they won't be able to approve the transactions regardless. So that's, uh, basically crypto 101 security at the moment. And it sounds cumbersome because it, it, it kind of is because you're uh, giving up that convenience for security and you have to kind of know what you're doing. But at, at this stage, it is one of the best practices to go to. And yeah, having a backup of this would be useful because I had a previous one. That one, when I was in New Zealand, I left it at home and I didn't turn it on for like a year. And I think something with the battery or something, the screen died. Fortunately, I contacted support. They sent me a new one and I ordered a newer version too. So that, that's kind of how well, I approach. Yeah. That, that's okay. how I approach security in the digital space. Okay. We still have some time left for some over-unders. So I think it would be a great way to close off another short episode. Yeah. And then of course, next week I will be sharing a lot more 
as well or to the deep dive of what actually happened and what changes are going. And lots to unpack there. I am excited already. So what direction do you want to take this 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 over under? Didn't really plan much, but I can figure it out as we go. We can make it travel. We can make it social media related. Okay, let, let's start easy. I got, I got one already. From your travel experience, is the Panama in Panama airport overrated or underrated? Oh, it's, it's heavily underrated. It's, it's heavily underrated. Um, currently, the international terminal of the Panama airport is being built. It's not finished. Oh, so they don't have a like full-fledged terminal yet, like international? Well, it's the international terminal is already available for boarding. And there are some shops, but mm. when it's completely done, it's going to be next level. I would encourage if, if like in five years time, you sh it will be one of the most popular airports in the region, if it isn't already. The national terminal is already quite nice. Yeah. And the, the international terminal is, it's, it, it's getting there. It's, I, I imagine it becoming like the, the terminal, like Amsterdam is for Europe, like for Latin America. And we checked as well. I think there's like 90% of the flights is Copa Airlines, but okay. there are other airlines flying to Peru as well. Got it. Okay, I'm going to steal Gregory's question. Airplane food, overrated or underrated? From my experience, like, <laughs> it's overrated. And as you said, except if it's SLF. <laughs> but most of the time it's overrated, especially during European flights. Oh my God, that, that is the worst dry, cold bread I have ever had. I, I think it was my flight to Germany. Yeah, it, it, it's overrated. So what, what I suggest is, you know, either go mentally prepared if it's a long flight, maybe buy some snacks that, you know, it's it's kind of safe, but... Take some burger king with you. Don't, don't, don't count on it to be, you know, amazing. Take a pulverati with you. <laughs> yeah, just consume it to last. Make sure you don't go hungry. Hydrate enough and you should be fine. Yeah. All right. Next over under for me, if you're transitioning to social media a bit, I'm curious to know how LinkedIn now falls in the overrated, underrated category. It's still really underrated. It still really is underrated. There are some overrated sports to LinkedIn, but it's still, still underrated. There's so much opportunity there. There's so much opportunity. Okay. Yeah. I, I get to pick two questions again from the audience. So I'm going to pick the second one. Uh, friends 2 and book games, overrated or underrated? I, I, I think uh, you're asking that the, the, the wrong or right person, depending on how you look at it, because this is going to be a very biased answer. And the friends too, and the book games are severely underrated. Actually, the whole Web3 NFT space is severely underrated, even though there's so much going awry at the moment with all the scams, but that's opportunity to learn. It's opportunity to, you know, at least make an investment to 
to it, it doesn't have to only be financially but in education in networking and what P friends and Gary P have set up with that system I, I'm starting to see how the the P1 character P friend one characters are being transformed to the newer versions the animations are really on point and with, with the audio so severely underrated if you're looking yeah, it, it, it's not the most affordable thing to immediately step into, but at least follow the developments. And if you can afford it, get one. I think if you want to enter the fee friends ecosystem, the, the most affordable way would be uh, through book games. And there is a, I think, snapshot on April 5th. If you own a book game, you have a 26% chance per book game token to be able to mint a fee friend too. So, and yeah, if, if you play your cards right, if you know Gary P, that there's opportunity in, you know, building that up or even if, if it isn't a short-term opportunity, you don't get selected. There, there's long-term, I think, uh, gamification being added. So you'd still be able to use it at a later date. Yeah. So nice. severely underrated. Nice. I'm, I'm agreeing with you for the biggest part. There are overrated parts as well but it's still underrated. Even with those overrated cards, it's still underrated. Yeah. Okay. So let me think the last one and okay. I'm going to go with going to the gym, overrated or underrated. Okay. Going to the gym itself is overrated. Taking care of your physical well-being and your health is underrated. What part? It doesn't matter how you do it. It basically means yeah, yeah. I need to go to gym because I need to take care of me. But there's so many other ways that you can physically take care of yourself aside from going to the gym. What is the most overrated thing in your opinion, especially it being very public mainstream kind of uh, now. So here, here's the thing. If, if, you, if you want to pump iron, if you want to pump iron, going to the gym is the, the best part. It's, it makes sense. If you want to build muscle, going to the gym is the best place to go. Right? It's, you can do it with natural weights, but having the different type of weights, being able to change the weights, being able to change the weights based on your needs for muscle development, the gym is the place to go. If you talk about cardio, it doesn't have to be. It's easiest, but you can also play a game of spark, go outside, play spark. You can walk, you can run. You don't have to go to the gym for the cardio part. It's easy to go to the gym for the cardio part, but it isn't necessary. So I think from that perspective, it's, it's overrated that all kind of physical health has to be done in the gym but from a perspective of needing to have a good health to be able to succeed in life i think that's really really underrated gotcha i think you've uh, hit it on a nail to very articulate the specific part all right what's your last over under the last over under is going to be this is interesting this is a really interesting one. What's, what's the direction I want to go? Consistency. 
I think uh, Gre- since Gregor's in the chat, consists he would say consistency over intensity, and I'd have to agree with it. Consistency is severely underrated, while intensity sometimes is good. I think we've talked about building habits, about building systems, and consistency is core in that. There is a video actually that I watched yesterday from Matt Villavella that I should send to you, where he actually emphasizes some stuff we talked about with Mariela two episodes ago on that, you know, rest and using that rest period, the creative boredom part. And one example I'd like to highlight in this video, the, the when we're talking about consistency, he interviewed, I, I forget what the doctor's name was, but they mentioned an example about the race to the South Pole. So you had a British team and a I said Norwegian, one of the Scandinavian countries team. And the British team was like all about intensity. They raced to the South Pole. And on, on the good weather days, they were like go 30 miles. And on the bad weather days, they, they, they took it slow. So when the conditions are great, they went all in. Whereas the, no, the Scandinavian team, they were like, okay, we're going to, regardless of good day or bad day, we're going to consistently with a consistent pace I think five miles or 10 miles per day. That way they have enough rest to even on the bad days, regardless of, you know, conditions, they'd be able to reach their targets. And lo and behold, they weren't even looking at if they were going to get there second or first, but they just had to get there. And I think that the results were they got there first by 30 days before the British team. And That's a big difference. Sir. Yeah. And what. I, I loved how they phrased it. I, I need to look it up, but it was something like they got there effortlessly through consistency. And uh, I was like, oh, th- th- this, this is a nice way of putting it. I will look up the video and send it to you later. Uh, so you can maybe watch it in, in your layover time. But yeah, I'd say consistency is also rated building awesome. systems. I'm at Pukurni at Funnel Airport. And then there was a year, very interesting question by Gregory. You know how parents uh, will cry infants or children burst? Are passengers as bothered as parents things they are? So, if you're a parent, you recognize. You recognize it. So you're more empathic. I think yeah. you have more empathy towards it. If like, if you hear like some child screaming or especially in travel. So you're just more empathy. But not necessarily if you're single or not accustomed to it, but definitely if you're accustomed to it, if you're a parent, you'll, you'll, you'll have more empathy. Awesome. Hope that answers your question, Greg, and hope you can travel soon too, to experience it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's, by the way, it's never nice to have a kid behind you who's kicking your seat. I mean, that experience is never, never nice. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I think we can end it on that note. We've had some recap, some experiences on the airport stuff. And I think we, we hit some good over-unders uh, for, you know, being very impromptu on that today. But we will uh, leave you at this uh, stage. Uh, Sean, look, enjoy the rest of the layover. I'll do um, best. We will definitely be back next week. Be on the lookout for the announcement. We will be planning, arranging something next week to either unpack everything that happened during the the conference Shanluk went to 
or have a very interesting guest, depending on scheduling. But we will communicate that uh, as soon as uh, we, as soon as Shanduk's back uh, in the country. Any last thoughts, Shanduk? Close it up. Nothing at all. Just good being back on Social Convos and looking to a full fledged episode next week. Awesome. As always, episodes will be released on the podcasting platforms on the weekend. Until next week, this was Social Convos. Bye-bye.